Greetings and salutations to our fine podcast audience. Hello, Hello. everyone. We are back for another one. I almost tried to say something like another salutations in, our, in no. the middle of it. I don't try. Like, I don't really know what that word means, That's so my, I'm not, not going to say it. That's and my I, intro, Ed. Stay off. <laughs> so, all right. Everybody doing okay? Yeah. Sunday was Valentine's Day. Did Woo-hoo! you uh, treat your ladies well? I, I I try to treat my lady well every day. I, That's right. Also, Good answer. I I treated it like I have most other Valentine's Day. So the, so the answer is no. <laughs> we sat and watched TV, and oh, Ed's knocking over I'm his microphone. Over this is what I do on Valentine's Day. I turn things over, and she cleans up. Yeah. Did you know it was Valentine's Day? I I did once we were at church. Okay, yeah. Yeah. all right. People said it. So um, all of us have uh, we're we're married, but we used to date and Not do to things each like other. that. Not to each other. <laughs> we are all individually married. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for clarifying that, Nathan. What's your most embarrassing moment on a date? I'm gonna let y'all start because I you gonna I, think of you got several. No, I, I have I have one I would mention. You I, me, I, don't I know bet you have one. Nathan. I've told I've told scared. this story before in a in a sermon. I think uh, in some in some uh, youth things before. So um, the, when I was in middle school, it wasn't like a real date, but it was like my first boy girl. As I pa- told you all when you were younger, if you can't drive yourself there, yes. it ain't a date. Ain't a date. Yes. <laughs> We went, uh, I went to my first boy-girl party in like eighth grade, maybe ninth, maybe it was the beginning of ninth grade, and uh, there was a girl there that I liked, and we were, uh, as we said in the day, talking, we were talking, so we weren't boyfriend-girlfriend, but we were. Which I later learned does not mean any words were actually exchanged. No. They were looking at each other, they were, you know. Yeah, I, I knew she liked me, I liked her, it was one of those things, so. Uh, we had prearranged because this is the way it was. She she was not happy with the speed at which the talking was was progressing, and ah. so we had prearranged that we would hold too fast for her, too slow, way too slow for her. I'm Uh-oh. I'm a I'm, I'm a slow moving kind of guy, so <laughs> okay. there you go. Um, we had prearranged we were going to hold hands at this mm. at this uh, at this boy girl party. So it was a very mild Christian boy girl party. There was <laughs> yes. there was prearranged holding hands, and so uh, we it was a friend's birthday party, and so we all sat down uh, to watch a movie. Which this is terrible because this was like two thousand four, two thousand five. We sat down to watch that thing you do. The Tom Hanks movie. movie. It's a fine movie. It ain't a movie no middle schooler ten <laughs> years no after it came out. About. It's the one where it's he's like, like the, the record executive in this the sixties band that makes it and they have the oh, one hit yeah, wonder. They're sort of the Beatles. It's yeah. very Beatles. It's a one hit wonder kind of yeah, story. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we sit down to watch that movie and uh so I'm I'm very sweaty at the time. My heart is racing, my hands are all clammy at this point. So like prime yep. hand holding opportunities. Boy. So I reach over to grab her hand, and she knew this was going to happen. And I reached over, and when I grabbed her hand, she went, ah! wow. very loudly. I don't know how that was for Joel right there, but screeched, pulled her hand back, and then everyone in the room turns around and looks at me trying to reach over to grab her hand. And she starts crying and leaves the room. Wow. And then all the other girls look at me in disgust and follow her out the room and then we're I'm I'm left to sit there going I don't know what just happened <laughs> and then she came back in and I, I she goes I'm sorry we can hold hands now and I said great <laughs> and so wow. that was the most embarrassing uh moment I have ever had wow. uh 
That's a good one. Yeah, it, is, it was. Man. It it scarred me for life. I couldn't hold hands with my wife until two years ago. Sound like she so. was scarred too. <laughs> yeah, apparently Something. it was a, it was a terrifying. Was experience. it your wife? No, it was not my wife. Okay, it was okay. not my wife. It was it was another girl that I knew in in middle school. And afterwards, I said, "Why did you Why did you scream?" And she said. Uh, I was nervous that you were going to hold my hand. I said, you told me you wanted me to hold your hand. But, you know, I but get I wasn't it now. completely committed to that. Mid- exactly. Middle school. Once she felt the clamminess, yes. she was like, I'm not sure I'm into when this When I anymore. knew what was involved. <laughs> so, uh-uh. Second thoughts. Um, let's see. I did crash into a girl's car on a date one time. Not your wife. Not my wife. It okay. was in high school. I didn't meet my wife till college, but uh, I was... Uh, this, this girl that I was dating at the time, uh, she had driven to my house, and we were then going to leave and go to Blockbuster Video to get a video, probably a VHS at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but uh, it wasn't there, so we got the Godfather. No. <laughs> no. So, and I, and I remember we, we, she's like, let's go. We're going to grab something to eat, grab, some, uh, grab a video, and come home. And uh, I got in the car, my parents' car, of course. I didn't have one yet. And uh, I back out of the garage. And as soon as I'm backing out of the garage, she goes, oh, my car. And then, oh. and then the crash. And I crashed oh. into the side of her car that was parked right behind her it. car. Her car. Oh, wow. And so then I had to then humble myself and go and repair her car. And yeah, we kept dating. She wasn't too bad. She wasn't, you know, she didn't break up with Good me over her. it. So she, but she allowed me to. Fix her car. Yeah, <laughs> but, sure. So that was kind of <laughs> maybe oh, it is yeah, Joel. I thought about that. Yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, but Joel anyway, comes in. Yeah, oh, okay. Joel. Joel's Joel. like catcalling the, the, the <laughs> For podcast. Those of you who don't here. know what Joel sounds like. That was Joel. Yeah, Joel single. I bet he's got lots of embarrassing dating stories. You got a good embarrassing date story, Joel? Oh, he's done. Oh, he's yeah, he's so one. indecisive. He's all about calling out other That's people. Right? He's, he's right. so <laughs> indecisive. Pony up. So have you thought of one, Ed? I, I have. I have. I, I don't know which one to share. So this this one was embarrassing, but Risley didn't happen to me. Uh, I was walking what would become my wife. We were going out to the car to go on a date, and a bird pooped in her hair. Nice. Mm. Uh, so that happened. Uh, that was probably early it's on. Hers, not yours. Not mine. Okay. And we just went on. <laughs> we, cleaned, <laughs> she had, we cleaned it up and, you know, all that, but... Uh, the then this also so this will it also involves my wife. This would normally embarrass everybody. It did not embarrass me. Our first date, I was late to, and not a little bit late. I was I was almost an hour late to our first oh, date. Oh, what an what a first impression! <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, she lived uh, she lived a long way away from my lived about an hour away. I was involved in a significant ball game. <laughs> significant <laughs> to you at the time that went longer than I thought it was gonna go mm-hmm. I didn't really check the time and when I got done one of the guys that was on my team said don't you have a date oh, and I yeah. said oh yeah that's right and I looked at the time and then I went oh man <laughs> and so I quickly showered and drove down and she still went out with me did and, you call before that well you know no cell no <laughs> it was this is going to be really. This is going to really sound anybody that wasn't alive in that time. Uh, it was long distance to call <laughs> <laughs> where she lived, and, you know. So, so no, I and, didn't make the call. And, and there were no cell phones. 
They, and it would, uh, I would have had to use a pay phone in the dormitory, which I didn't have enough change to use <laughs> to make a phone call. So I just decided to risk it <laughs> and my charming self show up and try to work that out. Yeah. Nice. I honestly, if you had a call, she might have told you to forget it, well, and it I, could have changed history. I understand that her sisters had said that when I came to the door, she should not go with me, uh, but she was committed to following through if I showed up. Man, you are lucky to be married. I, well, <laughs> that is just the least of it. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Nathan, you're lucky to have existed. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's what that and means. then that young, that young middle school girl would never had sweaty, clammy hands on her <laughs> hands. Right. So see what you see what happened. You could have saved her. Yeah, Golly, history could have repeat, could have changed right yep, there. Everything could have changed. All right. And the good thing is, we were supposed to go. The original thing was because I was only, I'd only been a Christian about 60 days at this point. <laughs> wow. And so I didn't know what Christians did on dates. <laughs> so I had asked her to go to a Bible study. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. But by that point, the Bible study was over. So, so it worked out in your favor. Yeah, and we went to a basketball game. Perfect. <laughs> See, that was it God. was not planned. That was a God thing. It was. It yeah. saved you. I had you no clue what Christians did on dates. I said, "Do you want to go to this Bible study with me?" And it would have been terrible. I'm. Oh yeah, it would have been terrible yeah. as a date. Come yeah, on, man. I know. I mean, I I love the Bible and all, but mm. I didn't know. Yeah. I, Sixty days. I didn't know That's what right. Christian girls did. And Good for you for trying to figure it out, trying. but you you you. I had it. no one to talk to about it because mm. okay. all the Christians I knew at that point looked at me suspect, <laughs> <laughs> as they should have. And they were like, "I don't think that guy's for real." All right, that was entertaining. Thanks for joining me on that, guys, and having that conversation. Uh, uh, we have a listener question. Yay! And uh, we're gonna probably take the rest of our time to, to answer it all right and so that may mean it's short and may mean it goes way too long we will I see hope it's not yes no no it's not so their question is how do you unite a city state country or the world when all of our beliefs are not the same what does unity actually look like i would imagine this question comes from uh, someone hearing us talk about unity being a thing that matters to god and so, yes, yeah. So, let, God, so maybe God, we should define what we mean by that. God yeah. isn't trying to unify anybody that has different beliefs. That'd mm. be where mm -hmm. I would start with that. Mm. I have a way. If you want to, I mean, I as you're reading, I thought if I were put in charge of a city, how would I unify a city? I think I have a plan for that. Oh, wow. But maybe I, you should I, be but, a mayor, huh? Maybe you should. No, become I don't a mayor. want to be any of those things. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> but I would be a one-term anything. I can guarantee oh, that. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah. Um, God isn't trying, the unity is not about bringing anybody together, separate their beliefs. Hmm. Mm -hmm. the beliefs are core to mm -hmm. the unity that we talk about and that God seeks. So, so let's talk about that. When Jesus, which unity was something Jesus prayed for. Yep. So let's define what is he talking about when he says, Father, I pray that they would all be one. Well, in particular, he says... May they be one, like you and I are one. Yes. What what Jesus is is looking for in everything that he's doing, and we've talked about this before, is that what the kingdom of God is trying to accomplish is that what would happen in heaven happens here. And in particular, God in making us in his image 
is inviting us into what is referred to as Trinitarian love, which means that God three in one, right, that is distinct, right, distinct persons, but all one, all completely unified. They submit within God himself, right? And I know that's confusing, and it, you know, I don't understand. The best it. description I have of that, and I can't remember the theologian that has it, he calls it a holy dance, mm. that... And the, I love the way, and I cannot remember the book. It, it's something like that, but in it, he describes it as being the father is constantly saying, look at my son, mm-hmm. and the son is always saying, submit to the spirit, and the spirit is always pointing to the father. So there is always this thing where they are mutually pointing to each other. Glorif- it's this holy dance mm-hmm. of the three of them not receiving glory for themselves, pointing to the other. They are one, but they are mutually submissive to each other. Right. And so what Jesus is saying is he's saying the kind of unity that God experiences within himself in this Trinitarian community, that his believers would experience that too, and that it would be a display of the glory of God, that in in the way that we submit to one another and serve one another and love one another and are unified people of different uh, ethnicities and gender and social status and nationality across the globe, that that kind of unity, it reveals the glory of God and it brings us into that glory. It is is something that we then get to uh, shine like, as as Paul says at one point, shine like the stars in the sky, that there is something that as we hold on to one another in that way. Um, and so that's the unity. It's this self-submissive, others-focused with Jesus at the center, that with, with, the, with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit at the center of it, yeah. we would be unified. So to your point... And, and I think I was going to say... That, Back to the, what the questioner asks is, you know, it seems like um, part of the assumption behind the question is that the way to achieve unity is to get everybody to believe the same things. Um, well, then you got to get down to the question of well, exactly what are the beliefs that matter? Yes. And I think that's been the 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 problematic question that, at least within the church, even has has caused us to, to fracture. Is there are so many churches who would say, well? There's here's a belief that I have, and if you don't have that belief, we can't be unified. Yeah. And short of Jesus, you know, pretty much those things are not worth splitting over. There's well, so many minor things, right? I, and I think, yes, and I think that in any situation, and I don't know the right way to say this, I want to say it's a rich person's problem or it's, a, it's, a, it's any place where you have an abundance. So if you have abundance of freedom... Uh, you tend to be willing to divide over more stuff. If you have an abundance of resources, you're more willing to stake your opinions on things. But we know for sure now and forever, this has always been true of the church, that anywhere where the church doesn't have lots of freedom, the things that in countries where there are tons of freedoms divides Christians, they don't divide each That's other. Right. In, you, take a, you take a place like China, mm-hmm. and there might be... Pentecostal missionaries and Baptist missionaries and Catholic missionaries and missionaries from all different kinds of things. And in a country like the United States, they wouldn't work together at Mm. all. Yes. 
But because in that environment, they realize, hey, we are all working for Jesus. These things about whether the Pope is the one that he is on the same level as the church, which is one of the, I mean, of the the Bible, which is one of the key differences between Catholics and Protestants, that the Pope and scriptures are somewhat the same. Or I'm over here and I believe you have to be baptized by immersion and you believe you have to be sprinkled. While those people still believe those things really matter, when it comes right down to it, mm-hmm. they unify around Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And when we get into a place where we can go, you know what? Let's talk about where you're wrong. Mm-hmm. We decide that wrong matters more than Jesus. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think. I agree. I well, mean, I think you're right. Because that's been historically the case. Yes. I, I think you're right, too, about the more affluence you have. The more affluence you have, the more you tend to believe in ownership of things, right? Because right. I can own this. This is mine. And part of ownership is that I get to put my stamp on it, and I get to I get to control what happens. So it becomes very easy that within even churches in America, even if you're not a leader in the church, you feel a little bit of ownership of, I, I should have a lot of say around what goes on around here, and especially even among churches, depending on, man, if I start giving and I start doing this, I should have a little bit of a, a stake of what happens. And what you're talking about here is there's a submission within all um, Christians in these persecuted contexts of, I'm not just submitting to Jesus as a figurehead. I'm submitting to the body of Christ as well, that I will I will serve you as my brother, and I will submit to you as my sister in Christ, and we're in this thing together. And there does become a thing that within the unity of the church, I'll just say here in America primarily, uh, there, there tends to be this feeling of, I kind of get to own every part of what I think and what I'm going to say and what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. And and not go, you know what? I'm submitted to a, a, a greater body other than myself, and that includes some believers who don't think like me. And I and I need to I need to be in a submissive, serving, loving relationship with them as well. It's so, it, it's sad how easily we divide, even within churches. Even with you may, st- I'll just say for people at Community Christian, you may still call Community Christian your home, but there are people you used to be in small group with that all of a sudden you just decide that's not my brother anymore. I don't ever want to see mm. them again because wow. we because and not even about big things. Like I found out in one meeting they believe politically different than I do. That makes me uncomfortable. We can't be friends and we can't be brothers anymore. Mm. And oh dear Lord, how sad that is. Yes. How, how sad it is. So unity always involves your beliefs. One of, one of our elders has said for years, you never will outlive your beliefs. And what he means is you can't fake something that doesn't at the core you believe. Mm-hmm. And so if you try to act like I'm unified with you, but I don't at the core share a similar core belief with you of what really, really matters, that's coming out at some point. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know, I, and I've, it's why I've always been willing to support churches that start in our county. I mean, and I know this is silly, although it wouldn't be, it's not silly. Every time I mention it to entrepreneurs, they're like, well, I get it. They're trying to take market share. Anytime a new church starts in Coweta County, people are surprised that I'm for the new church. Yeah. Why yeah, wouldn't I be for the new church? I, I don't Why get wouldn't that. I be for that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we've had guys, you know, uh, guys have actually, uh, that we know in church world, when a, a church comes into their neighborhood, they're, they're, 
they're upset about it, oh, or yeah. they're, they're a little bit offended. Well, I know you were somebody at a didn't ask me or something. Like you were that. at a meeting once where I was proposing to a whole bunch of room of, of preachers yeah. that we were going to start a bunch of churches, and one of the guys said, "Well, y'all started one, and you didn't ask me." And I'm yeah. like, "Man, I didn't know you owned the county. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't know we had to ask your permission. Mm-hmm. You know, and I that was a bad flipping answer. I should have <laughs> said it was I right. Should, <laughs> you know, yeah." But it was right. <laughs> well, and I think that's the that's the hard part that we even have. So, you know, the question comes down, how do you unify a country? How do you unify a city? How do you unify a world? I don't – we've already said that's not God's goal in, in when he spoke of unity, when Jesus spoke of unity. And there tends to be this thought, well, then wh- where do Christians fit in that? Because mm-hmm. I do think for many people within our culture, that's kind of proposed as the goal of, of – yeah. Of human we got to get everybody to why believe we like all we just get along. Why can't we all just get? Why? Or we've got to get everybody to be like me. You right. have to believe the way I believe, and until you do, you're an enemy. Right. And there's this yep. feeling of within the church, those kind of things seep in, and we start to either, as you said, get on one side of it, which is I then got to force everyone to believe what I do, yeah. and often that involves we got to become very political. We start mm-hmm. got to get laws passed, make sure everything happens the way we think it should happen, or you become on this other side, which is it doesn't matter if we all believe. We all, right. We're all brothers and sisters. And those are equally destructive. Yeah, right, yes, because it doesn't lead to, as you said, unity of belief, which is ultimately mm-hmm. the core the resurrected Jesus, the Spirit of God living in believers, that it's the Spirit who creates unity. So, and I think that's key because I, I think we have to think in terms of, I can't, do, I can't do biblical unity in a non-biblical way. The, the method I use must support what I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to get you to, you and I, we both love Jesus, and Jesus has called us to love the Father and love each other. I can't then force that because that's mm-hmm. not loving. That's right. Mm-hmm. But there have been places where the church has gotten in power, and honestly, that began to get us off track when, you know, the Roman emperor became a Christian, mm-hmm. and then we're going to force baptize people in those things. Yep. And then the church becomes a mockery of itself. Yes. yes. And even every time we try to buy political power, the church is in love with power, but the biblical way and it's best seen, again, we've talked about this before, a picture of this, this submission we're talking about is husband and wives. It's, mm-hmm. it's what we're called to, and it screws up a family anytime one of them says, we're going to have unity based on what I think. Right. No, it's, we, we have to submit. Mm-hmm. I, I go under, power under. power under. I go power underneath. I support, I love, and by that, you know, uh, most of my life, it's been, and this isn't 100%, but most of my time in the ministry is generally a Christian wife who has a husband who hasn't yet grown to that place. More, A lot of times that's the place where she's trying her best. And Peter just says the way you win your husband is by submitting to him. Mm-hmm. It be, the, the gospel becomes more attractive as, as you give yourself away. Well, that's Jesus' method. Jesus... Yeah. Yeah. But we want to change it somehow, and I want to vote, or I want to overpower them, or I want to make people see how right. Well, it, you can't, you can't bring about unity in the Son of God who gave His life away yes. without giving your life away. Yeah, we just talked about this in our podcast a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the violence question. Um, the church, the movement that Jesus came to start, He started 
with one event, and that one event was to lay his life down, to refuse to put to exercise power, oh, the power that we all know he had yeah. access to. He laid that aside. You know, Paul says he became uh, nothing, became mm-hmm. like a servant, and and set aside all power and privilege, allowed himself to be mistreated, misused, and ultimately killed. And that was what launched the movement. And then we we've come along and said, well, now we're going to perpetuate this movement by flipping that over. Yep. And we've got to flip it back to the other side. It's it's that whole power under thing. You said it right, Ed. That well, and, and I think using the marriage illustration is huge, and it's often the 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 disruptive or just non-helpful way we even use language around marriage of this idea. And I hear people say this a lot, and it makes me think of it because I just have someone in in my life who who basically has just been adopted into our family, and she recently got married. And uh, I, I, I wrote her a letter at the time, and I just said, you know, I know this is kind of a, a crazy time, and there's really exciting things, but, and a lot of us forget this when you get married, there's also things that are a little bittersweet, sad about, sure. about getting married. And I said, and that's okay, and I said, I said this to her in the letter, I said, you know, marriage is, is a death. I said, and if you don't see it that way, you'll miss it. Marriage is a death. It's a death to everything that came before. If you try to bring everything that came before and he tries to bring everything that came before, you're going to have a messed up thing. If you come into this and say, we're starting over and we're starting together. And I even said this, I don't remember if I said this at this time or another point, but I remember said a lot of people are going to talk about you need to be on the same page on everything. And I said, it's more important that you're just in the same book. And I said, because what I have learned, one beautiful thing about marriage I've learned is my wife and I are not on the same page on every issue. There are things we sometimes drastically disagree on. And what I said to her was I said, we may not be on this page together, but I promise you we can both be on the same page that I am for you in everything. I may disagree with even the decision you've made here. And I will always tell you when I disagree with the decision you've made here. And occasionally she'll go, that's fine because I'm going to keep making this decision (laughs) because we're not necessarily on the same page on that issue. But I will always be on the same page of I support you, I will serve you, I will love you, I am for you, I will help you through anything because we're on the same page. And that's a picture of what the church is. You know, we don't have to be on the same page on every issue, but if we can be on the same page on we're submitted to Jesus as the head of the church, we are submitted to the church, to one another, right? And Because I even say that in there, for a lot of people saying submitted to the church, that's a... That's, ooh, that feels a little risky because you think organization. What I mean by submitted to the church is one submitted another. to the body of believers, yeah. yep. to one another, where the Spirit of God is at work and, and moving. And honestly, to the idea of a body of believers and not me and Jesus. Or me and there, Jesus and there my, has my to wife. Be, there <laughs> has to be a time where I submit to the idea of I may be a part of a body of believers that don't really meet much of my needs. Yes. They they do not necessarily feed me in the way I want because maybe my job in that particular body is the feeder. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and the feeding may not be that I'm teaching. It may mean I'm just there resuscitating. I'm there breathing <laughs> life and love into people. And for a while, they don't feed me, but I have power under. I get power under because Jesus called me to be a part of the body. Mm-hmm. And that's true in every, you know, one of the things that I was thinking you were talking about the death of the old in this, and I I can see it in almost every relationship that when you're going to walk into it as a Christian, 
This idea of I bring love and unity, I'm trying to unite in these. I want to be a uniting force, not a dividing force. And occasionally, I have to point out things that for a moment might be uncomfortable. Yeah. But I can't, I can't just come into it and force my way. Uh, every time one of our sons has gotten married, I ha- Becky and I have this conversation of every new person in our family creates a new family. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not only yes. their family, but they have been added on to ours, and the old is gone and the new has come. Yes. And if we don't accept that, and I mean the birth of every child, yes. the yep. adoption of every child, you, it, it was easy when and John used to joke, he's our oldest son, he would joke, you know what was the best family when it was me and dad and mom? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, but now we've gone from three to our little family is a family of 16. Mm-hmm. And sixteen is way more complicated mm-hmm. than three, well, and w- and three was more complicated than two, sure. and two was more complicated than me. Yeah. You know, one <laughs> one beautiful phrase that has, and this isn't my phrase; it's something we've um, brought into our family just because of the nature of the way my family has grown through adoption and things like that. We we say the phrase a lot: uh, families never get smaller; they only grow. And um, there's this feeling of because of the nature of um, my children having birth parents that aren't me and my wife, knowing that in some way they are also included right. into my family. And when they one day get married, they will have somebody else that's included into my family. But there, there's this feeling, and I, and I hear, I'll say this, I hear a lot of empty nesters say this a lot. My family has just gotten so small. My family, you know, because it used to be I had all my kids under my roof. And I think about the way even within churches that feel that way. And, you know, in lots of ways, I'll just say this, in lots of ways for community Christian, uh, because of our physical attendance on Sundays, it feels like a smaller church. It feels like a smaller church. In some ways it feels like... The family's a little smaller, but for us to remember, part of what unity means is I've got brothers and sisters in in China that are booming. They Mm -hmm. are growing like crazy. They are my brothers and sisters. I'm a part of that. The family only grows. Yeah, Jason and I were talking yesterday, and I, I feel this with a great deal of hope, and I pray for this, that it's really clear that unless some trajectory changes, I will have more brothers and sisters in Christ in China yep. in about five years than there will be human beings in the United States. Mm-hmm. And a lot of American Christians don't realize that, yep. that soon I will have more people I am directly related to who are Chinese. Yes. And I should be praying for them because they could have tremendous impact. If they could grow oh, yeah. from $330 million in to the next generation, they could become a billion Christians in that country. Hmm. My goodness, the impact they could have the, on the, the world. The cause of Christ just in that part of the world would just, oh my just explode. Do you know the—and I, I looked it up because I know you guys like to do this too. Uh, I guess it's like the etymology of, of, uh, of phrases, you know, like where did these phrases come from that we say? Have you, do you know the etymology behind um, blood is thicker than water? No. no. So it doesn't mean that family is closer than friends, which is what we say. It's mm-hmm. the exact opposite. What it is, is it's the blood of the, it's either covenant or blood of the bond or something is um, is thicker than the water of the womb. And it's a originally, I think, a military phrase to say 
the blood between brothers who fight in ah. war together is a is a thicker bond yeah. than the blood of your actual blood brothers. And I've always heard in that head, and I just go, if Christians could get what you just said and say, the blood of Jesus mm. is thicker than even my physical family relations, yeah. that oh, there yeah. is there is a bond that is greater, and we we sometimes just miss that. Yeah. And just to say, I am I am. By, and hopefully, hopefully for many of us, it's true in my family, that those bonds can be the same. Yes. That, that my, right. my physical brothers are also my brothers in Christ. But that ultimately, my greatest allegiance is to Jesus Christ and to his church, my brothers and sisters in Christ. And that goes beyond my physical family. So I would I'd say again on the original question of how do you unite and how, I don't, and this may not be right. I'm, I, I pray about this regularly, the unity thing is a huge issue for me, and I do believe that it's found only in Jesus, but that the way you do that, again, is not through power, and this is what I I continue to try to do. <clears throat> I've done in my parenting as my kids got older. I try to do now as a grandpa and with a larger group is none of that can be forced. Unity right. can only be influenced. Yeah, I, I can have influence toward unity by my behavior. Or I can ruin it by my behavior. But I can't control. I can't. Control and unity don't work together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can have uniformity in a prison. Yes. Mm -hmm. I can make everybody dress the same, mm -hmm. behave the same, get up at the same time, do the same thing. I can't make them be on the same page with me. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, because if that worked, God would have already done it. That's exactly let's, right. Let's be clear. He has the power to do it. That's right. But he hasn't for a reason. That's right. So in every environment, whether you're talking about a family or marriage or whatever, your only tool with other full-grown humans, which generally somewhere around 13, 14, where they can begin to think yes. and sometimes quicker than you, you're going to have to shift to influence and not control because mm. that's what God uses with us, and that's the power under instead of power over. We can't have power over, but I can influence underneath, and if I continue to get myself in control, I can influence toward, let's have unity in found in Jesus who calls me to love him, God and love him yeah, and to just, love other people. Yeah, you just remind me, I, I, that has been the posture of parenting that I've had for the past three, four years now that my girls have moved into their teenage years. I find myself asking them questions like, what can I do to help? Right. Uh, how can I serve you? Do you need anything? Is there something I can do to... and these days, especially with my oldest, most of the time it's like, no, Dad, you, you can't really, you can't do this, you can't f fix this, but I, I'll let you know. I'm, yeah. And I and I and I and I'm just the posture of I'm here if you need me, you know. If I can help, if I can be an influence, if I can use my wisdom or my resources, you call on me, I'll be there. Rather than when they were younger, of I take them and put them and do right. the things, yeah. for which is them. the right thing to do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's protective at that yeah. point. We just had this because my daughter's applying for colleges and getting all that stuff together, and she spent a lot of time on that, and I felt helpless, you know, because yeah. she's overwhelmed, and I come into her room, and I go, can I do anything to lighten the load? And she goes, no, Dad, this is something i got to do on my own, you know. So I brought her some food. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to, to serve her. But I thought to myself, that's, a, that's different, you know. It is different. I don't have very much power in her life anymore, but I do hopefully still have influence. And it, it feels it, to some degree, particularly with children, uh, again, same elder said to me at one point when his child was going through something in the 30s, he said, 
parenting gets harder as you get older, not easier, which I think is right as I've gotten to that age too because you see problems taking place. If you were still in control, yep. mm. you would just go fix it. But if you go and control it when they're older, you actually create more of a problem mm-hmm. than by letting them go through it and just trying to influence. Yep. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That that's and that we get there from that whole idea of yeah, how unity. do we get unity and stuff. So cool. All right. That's that's all we got for today. That we are out of time. So all righty. I hope we answered that small question with our you know, 30-minute talk. <laughs> yeah, We don't know. If we didn't, if you were on a different track about something else, yeah, ask it again in a different way. Be more specific. Yep. And just to remind all y'all listening, watching, we need your questions. We want them. Uh, so there's a, always a link in the description where you can click that, uh, submit a question, and you can keep us talking about what you want us to talk about rather than us going off on our own, which exactly. is not always a great thing. So. <laughs> All right, we're done. We will see y'all next week.